Welcome to the Neurosurgeon's Journey, part of the Library of Brain and Spine Group's Medical Student Neurosurgery Training Center and a collaboration with the AANS's Young Neurosurgeons Committee. I'm your co-host, Michael Quartz. I'm currently the Senior Student Director of Education Resources for MSNTC, and shortly we'll be joined by your other co-host, Dr. Jeremiah Johnson. He is an Assistant Professor of Neurosurgery at the Baylor College of Medicine and is the current Chair of the YNC. We're happy to have you with us as we look deeper into the rewarding life of a neurosurgeon and explore what it takes to get there. I'm really excited about today's topic. I want to uh, introduce first our co-host, Dr. Jeremiah Johnson. Um, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Michael. Very, very good uh, lineup of people to talk about this topic tonight on the podcast. I'm excited. Our guests today are Dr. Gabriel Zada and Dr. Jasmine Toom. I'll start with Dr. Zada. He's a professor of neurosurgery, otolaryngology, and internal medicine at the University of Southern California. He's also the director of the Brain Tumor Center and the Associate Residency Program Director. Dr. Zada, how are you doing today? Doing great. Thank you for having me, Michael. Excited to be here. And then our second guest is Dr. Jasmine Toom. She's a PGY-5 neurosurgery resident at UCLA. Uh, she completed her medical school at Harvard and has spent a lot of time involved in the neurosurgery education realm and was instrumental in the Congress of Neurological Surgeons Virtual Medical Student Symposium this past June. Jazz, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited. You're, you're just out of the OR, so we appreciate you uh, you joining <laughs> us on on these crazy schedules. It, it's uh, it's definitely a challenge, but we. I want we to uh, I want to interject that Jazz is also a guest in our Young Nurse Surgeons webinar, so she's not just CNS. That's probably. right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah she. We got uh, to keep the rivalry going between CNS. That's right. <laughs> So our, our topic for today is uh, a very uh, relevant and timely one, and, and it touches a little bit on uh, what said webinar talked about recently from the YNC. Um, it's talking about you know how COVID is affecting the application process, and both Jazz and Dr. Zada have a lot of great thoughts on this. I'm sure to help medical students uh, navigate through this and, and and help us look forward to you know hopefully once we get into normal times it's good to start, you know, talking a little bit about what the normal, you know, year is like and, and why this is important. So, you know, Dr. Johnson, why don't you just kind of help us uh, outline what a normal year is like and what candidates um, are being evaluated on and, and why it's important to talk about it in, in this new COVID era. Right. So even for people that don't, aren't really that familiar with the process in general, may not even be medical students. Um, so we'll start at the beginning. So in your medical school, you have a first few years, which is you're usually not thinking about these things, you're focusing on your studies. But as you get into third year, typically, um, you become more and more involved in clinical activities. And um, by the time you enter your fourth year, you need to start uh, thinking about how where you want to match into residency training. So as you're going through your third year rotations, you're ideally learning a lot about medicine, but also uh, being exposed to various rotations of dis dis different disciplines. One of those disciplines is neurosurgery. So um, uh, as well as general surgery. So oftentimes you start building your reputation and your grades through that. And then you go to the point where you can ask for letters of recommendation, especially for general surgery. Oftentimes neurosurgeons need those. Um, if you have an experience at your home institution in neurosurgery, you also need to rely on those people for recommendation letters later. Um, as you go uh, into your fourth year, You've already probably in your late third year, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, anybody on my timeline exactly, because I was always joking earlier. When I did this, there was still something called a San Francisco match, which is now defunct. So the timeline may be a little bit off. 
but uh, you start setting up what's called away rotations. So not only do you typically do a rotation in neurosurgery at your home institution, if you have a residency program there for a month where you work on the on the service, you work with the residents, you go to the operating room, you go to didactics and grand rounds, et cetera, and get to know those folks. You also set up rotations at other institutions around the country, typically some maybe in your region, some far away, et cetera, whereby you are a guest student on their service for a month and you do at least one more, oftentimes two, sometimes three additional rotations, depending on your medical school and your inclination for these things. Um, and in each of those stops, you are evaluated by that group of neurosurgeons. You get to know them as well as potentially you could match there. And then also you get typically get at least one letter of recommendation from each of those programs, which then goes into your um, application for match. So for right now, people that are in their fourth year, they're sending in their applications for match uh, very shortly in this what's called the ERAS um, system. So you need to have a whole host of things, your grades, letters of recommendation, um, like essentially like a CV built out, like your research you've done um, and a whole host of other things. Um, and then that around this time of year, is finalized and sent in, and then people go through the interview process. So the interview process um, in the past was uh, a series of interviews starting in the fall, like November, December, and continue through January, February, where you would interview, you know, when you put in your application, you also apply to different programs, and then they respond back with an interview, yay or nay. And then you go through a series of interviews if you get interviews at different programs. Um, as the spring uh, starts to kick in, so you go through February, I believe is roughly the end of the interview season, and then the programs rank the applicants that came to visit them, and then the uh, applicants rank the programs they visited, and then there's a match process, and then through a complicated algorithm that nobody fully understands, I must say, except for the people that put it together, um, a match is done between the different applicants and different programs. Um, and so from there, then you become match to a program and that's following summer after you graduate, you um, begin working for a, that residency program you matched at. Um, so that's how it typically flows in a normal year. That's a great overview, um, Dr. Johnson, and good transition into why uh, this year is, has so many peculiarities. So Dr. Zada, to start with uh, you, I think it would be great to hear from you as a, as a program director, why are things the way that they are in a normal year? Right. Because as Dr. Johnson said, you know, um, there's definitely a, a linear flow of how things occur and what parts of a student's application, their personality traits, their things about their work ethic. Um, how, how are those being evaluated in a normal year? And then how, how do you think that those things are going to be affected as a function of COVID this year? Well, what a great question, Michael and, uh, and Jeremiah. That was a wonderful overview, um, really succinct and, uh, and you captured it all. Uh, well, in a normal year, we, we want to find the best of the best applicants. And by the time you get to um, such accomplished people who have already made it into a U.S. medical school and have excelled there and are considering neurosurgery, and uh, they're, they're used to putting in 10% um, more time than the rest of their peers in college and then medical school. Again, many of them will vie for um, AOA, which is an honor society in medical school. Um, many of them will have really good board scores. By the time they apply to a very competitive residency, it is very, very hard to differentiate between such a talented pool of people. The decision for us, um, it's, a, it's a difficult decision making a rank list. Um, and so uh, there has to be a way to, to separate people. Um, 
Uh, a lot of programs obviously look at clinical grades. We look at uh, USMLE board scores, although that is an evolution as well. And that tends to be an easy objective measure to, um, to decide who you want to interview for the most part. So we look at hundreds of applications. We, we usually end up inviting around 60 for interviews on um, usually three days every year. And then we'll put our rank list together. And so the differentiators of all these amazing, talented, well-rounded people who are fantastic medical students and will be good doctors for the most part um, tends to come down to things like board scores and then research being a main differentiator. Um, another thing we look for in a typical year is potential for future leadership because um, at USC, we have a strong tradition of training leaders in neurosurgery uh, and program directors and chair people, et cetera. And so that's a, that's a very big one for us. And then perhaps the most important is general fit. And uh, that's really an X factor. That is, um, how does that person get along on, on a daily basis with their peers, co-residents, medical students, faculty, and do we wanna spend a considerable portion of time with that person? Uh, and do we want to trust them to take care of, uh, of patients um, and to share that care uh, with, uh, of, of our mutual patients together for the next uh, seven years? So those are kind of the criteria that I think we look at on a normal year. Suffice it to say that COVID has completely derailed that situation, as you all know. And um, I'm happy to go into all the nuances, but I think I'm going to pause there and maybe um, maybe let Jazz take a shot at it as well. Uh, the, the, the key point there is that we can't meet all the people we normally meet. And you get a much different sense, shaking hands, talking to someone face to face. Um, uh, and and uh, when I usually meet an applicant, the first question that goes through my mind is, is um, if I were a patient, would I want this person to be my neurosurgeon? And it's the same as when that, a doctor walks into your office and you're a patient and you, you look at them and you, you know after 10, 15 minutes if there's an element of trust, of camaraderie, of uh, you know, um, et cetera, et cetera, of how, how warm and engaging that person is. And for me, it's a very similar uh, discussion when I look at future neurosurgeons. Um, and that's off the table. Yeah. Um... I think I'd love to hear Jazz's thoughts on that. I mean, it sounds like the key differentiator is exactly what is going to be the most difficult in evaluating this year. If I could interject, I'm sorry, Michael. I just want to ask, uh, maybe Jazz can answer, maybe Gabe, Gabe too, which is, uh, so maybe for to set the table for people that aren't aware, um, what is different this year than in prior years? Is there any way you could give like a brief overview of how the process is different, um, both with sub-eyes and, and with interviews? Yeah, sure. Um, so I guess overall of just the general nuts and bolts of it, um, most important thing this year is that um, basically the, the Senior Neurosurgical Society, they um, or the Society of Neurosurgeons, they basically put down this uh, idea that we should make sure that to keep people safe, to keep patients safe, to keep residents safe, to keep medical students safe, um, everybody should do their rotations at their home institutions. If you don't have a home program, home neurosurgical program, which some people don't, then um, they would basically, the SNS would help you um, go to the nearest program that was available to you um, geography wise. So for instance, we have a student who's rotating with us from Hawaii because he didn't have a, uh, a local program, a home program that he could go to for neurosurgery. Um, that's a really big change in the past. You know, it, it was, um, 
I think in some ways it was a huge advantage going to other institutions and seeing how things were done at other places. It was also a little bit of a shot in the dark. I don't know how you guys were advised when you're choosing your sub-internships, but um, mine was basically, you know, the, the students we've had before have gone to XYZ programs, so you should go to XYZ programs. And that's how I, quote, decided that I was going to do those sub-I's. Um, and, you know, some, some people uh, are able to, to be a little bit more thoughtful about it. Um, they're able to have maybe more ro robust experiences, but sometimes that's the experience you have. It's just kind of a shot in the dark. So this year it's uh, very focused. It's only at your home institution or your nearest institution. And then you also have to do um, a sub-internship in general surgery as well. The reason for that is you now have to have a structured um, letter of recommendation from general surgery and also from neurosurgery as well. Uh, I think that it was Dr. Komatar and Dr. Wolf who did a really nice job of kind of summarizing that on our um, the, the second podcast or the second webinar that we did for um, the YNC as well. Uh, that was, you know, last week. Um, and they kind of went through the importance of having this um, structured letter of recommendation to try and keep things even across the board, given that this year things were going to be very, very different and just trying to understand how we can compare students for, you know, just being evaluated by their home institutions. So that's one of the biggest changes. The other big change, obviously, is that you can't go to the institutions to interview this year. Um, we're doing it all via Zoom. Uh, you can also not come and visit any institutions for second visits as well, which is a big thing too. Um, so, you know, you, you can't have that opportunity to see the, the hospitals. You don't have the opportunity to see the facilities, things like that. However, I will say, um, and cut me off if I'm segueing into this too early, there's a lot of advantages, I think, of applying this year that other students didn't have in the past. Um, I'm happy to go into those or if we want to talk about other things first, we can. No, I'd love to, I'd love to hear um, some of the advantage of advantages of the, the crazy year that we're in. I think a lot of people could use a little positivity. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and I know certainly uh, cost is a big one. I don't know if, if there's other ones that on your guys' side of things. Um, so yeah. if you'd like to note on that jazz, go ahead. Sure. I think in the past, and you know, Dr. Zada, Dr. Johnson, correct me if you guys had different experiences from this, but applying to neurosurgery programs was really a black box for me. Anyways, uh, I didn't know much about the programs that I was applying to. I would go there for a day. I heard a lot about word of these places via word of mouth um, from people I'd met on the trail who, you know, I, I now know extremely well at the time. I had known them for a day or two uh, best. And, um, and from my mentors, you know, who were from one very specific location. I think this year is incredible because there has been such a, um, a boom of social media and uh, basically programs getting themselves out there telling medical students, you know, revamping their websites is a huge thing. There were these out-of-date websites from like 20, 30 years ago. You know, our website, I think, had uh, pictures from people in the 1980s. I don't know. Um, so it's, uh, it, it's really been a push for programs to um, get accurate data out to, to students for them to actually market themselves to students, which I don't think neurosurgery programs had really felt the need to do in the past because um, there are, you know, people, there are lots of people that don't match to neurosurgery programs. And so they felt 
no need. You know, we already get lots of good applicants. Um, we don't need to do that. But the competitiveness <laughs> maybe in some of the um, the neurosurgery programs has, has led to this. You know, they see other places um, telling students about how great their program is and they want to share too. Um, I think that it's, uh, it's bred a very enthusiastic culture online um, and social media. And it's interesting because I've never been a social media person. I got a Twitter account this year and uh, I would never have said this before, but I think now more than ever, it's important for medical students also to have some sort of social media um, presence, whether it's Twitter or something like that, just so they can keep up with what's going on. Um, and I think it's equally as important that programs have some sort of a presence online too. I think the, the lack of presence um, can also be somewhat telling when medical students are trying to find information and they can on other programs, but um, not on you know, a particular one that they're looking for. So I, I think it behooves both programs and both medical students during this time. Um, you're right, the other thing is cost and time. Um, I remember it was incredibly hard to schedule uh, some of my interviews back to back because they would be on the West Coast, the East Coast and flying back to the West Coast. Uh, you're not gonna have those problems this year. Uh, you're going to save a lot of money. You're going to save a lot of time. You're going to save a lot of jet lag. Um, you are not going to eat as well this year as you maybe would have in the past, but, but we can make up for that later in residency. Um, and I, I think the other big thing that it's going to change is now that you have to have um, letters of recommendation only from your program. I think it's going to make a bigger difference for those medical students who have put in the time early on. So those medical students who we've seen as second years, who we've seen as first years even, who've come to grand rounds, who have asked to shadow us, who have tried to put in EVDs before their third or fourth year rotations. Um, you know, familiarity, I think in many ways, it just breeds a certain amount of comfort and that piggybacking off of what Dr. Zada said, I think something else that we're looking for is that these people are trustworthy that are coming into our program. Uh, there's a lot of responsibility that you get as a resident, and it's really, really important that we can trust the residents that come in. And so just being around a person a lot, I think, breeds that. Um, Dr. Zada was also talking about, you know, just seeing somebody uh, in person can breed that as well. And uh, they have these really interesting studies about how when people meet other people for 10 or 15 seconds, they have the same impressions of them that they do if they meet them for like an hour, hour and a half uh, type meeting. So it's very interesting what you can glean from this. This is of course from my random quote reading that I do uh, <laughs> driving into work <laughs> in the morning. Um, but I, I think all of those things are, are going to start to change the, the field of neurosurgery and the application process. I am also curious to see what's going to carry over into future years. I think that the fact that um, you know, virtual um, interviews are, are a possibility, you know, we've now proven that that is something that can be done. I do wonder if those are going to be incorporated in any way in the future. Um, I think it's important for people who are resource limited, um, you know, medical students who are resource limited. I think it, it's going to be extremely important for them that we we do this kind of thing. Um, but you know, there's the flip side. There's the social aspect. That's a lot. It is a lot harder to kind of get a sense of somebody as quickly um, over video as it is in person. So, uh, as usual, jazz is spot on. Uh, it's. <laughs> We do feel a little bit more of a competitive edge from a marketing standpoint to to, to um, take our program from having visitors come see what USC is about and to give them a personal tour of the campus and, and meet with people and then go out to dinner with the residents, um, which 
for applicants who are unaware, that dinner with the residents is uh, historically a very important dinner for, for two reasons. Uh, number one, it's where the applicant gets the real um, nitty gritty on the program um, after a few drinks from the resident and the same dynamic uh, in reverse, which is where um, a lot of vetoes occur at those dinners uh, when, um, when applicants uh, kind of let their guard down a little sometimes, um, et cetera. So that dynamic is going to be uh, essentially um, abolished completely. Uh, I agree with um, what Jazz said um, about some of the, the benefits that um, may be byproducts of this whole thing, um, especially with being able to make it to more interviews, which I think is really the key in terms of efficiency and cost savings. And in a way, it's a great uh, equalizer um, uh, for people. And I, I personally think it's, it's here to stay. I think most programs will find that they're going to offer one virtual interview date or definitely the marketing and uh, a lot of the resources describing their program is, is here to stay moving forward and will probably be built out even more. Um, we're assuming things are going to go back to normal in a year or two. We're not, we're not, we don't know about that yet either, uh, the, way, the way things have gone. Um, but to, to answer your question a little more succinctly, Michael, is um, yes, uh, from the programmatic standpoint, we, we've had to, um, number one, just deal with COVID, uh, you know, and our own, our, our own hospitals and our own patients and, and learning to run a successful practice in this current climate and making sure our well-being and families are okay and all that. Uh, then to figuring out um, what the new standard is going to be and, and the Society of Neurological Surgeons or, or also known as the Senior Society is the body of neurosurgery of, I should say, of organized neurosurgery that focuses the most on medical education uh, historically. And so they were, uh, they, they played a, a front and center role in, in standardizing this and achieving consensus um, uh, uh, in this process as, as this was arising in the spring, uh, fortunately. Um, so we're, we're still grappling with that. Um, and, and, and then on the back end to, uh, to yes, stay competitive, come up with a variety of new resources and marketing campaigns uh, has, been, uh, has been new for us as well. I think it's, I think it's all good. I think it's all good though. I think it's, um, it's time, uh, it's time that this, uh, happen necessary byproduct of this whole thing. And it's forced us to uh, grapple with a lot of these issues and emerging technologies that we should have harnessed before, but there was no pressure to do so. And so, um, so I think we're, I, I think, um, we're successfully dealing with it and, um, we're excited about, um, being able to showcase, certain things and, and, and for what this year uh, brings. I think the other dynamic we're seeing is that a lot of programs are looking more to their home students um, and relying on them a lot more um, because that's where, uh, that's where you can really see people in action um, on their home sub-I and in, in their quote unquote natural environment or what will be their natural environment. So that's a trend that um, is almost guaranteed this year is that programs are gonna match more of their home uh, students. I wanted to interject quickly. Um, we've hit on a lot of them indirectly, but maybe maybe Jazz can go since she she did such a good job on the other end of it. What do, what do you guys all think are some of the potential negatives? Um, I mean, some of them are obvious, but potential negatives of, of this whole COVID era and ways that we're trying to get around it. Uh, we'll talk about shortly, but. Yeah, um, you know, so I, I think there's a lot of anxiety in general that goes into the neurosurgery match period in a year. 
this year, it's just uh, been amplified, I think, for all medical students, and understandably so. Um, I think on the, the program side of things, too, there's a lot of uncertainty as well um, from, you know, from residents and from uh, program directors and institutions, because I think what Dr. Zada said is, is 100% right. I think there is going to be more reliance on the people that you know, and the people that you know are going to be from your home institution. So um, it's going to be difficult to get people to be comfortable with uh, people that they've never met in person. I think that the part of the ways part of the way that you know we try to get around that is um, I think a lot of institutions have been doing a very good job of having these meet and greets, these separate meet and greets that kind of uh, spawned off of the, the CNS event from earlier in, in the year in June. And uh, some places have been doing an excellent job of holding these on a pretty regular basis or even holding just a couple of them so that they can kind of see some of those faces um, in a group setting where it's a little bit less uh, intimidating, but they can still get to know people. And I think it's these small exposures over time that are very helpful as well. I think also there have been a lot of students reaching out individually to different programs uh, to try to connect with them, to try to figure out if they're a good fit, uh, to try to talk to residents or attendings individually. Uh, I think all of these things are really good workarounds. I think the one um, other negative that can kind of come from this, um, if, if you want to see it like that, is that because it's going to be, because anxiety is going to be higher and because it's going to be easier to apply to numerous programs, there's going to be a very large burden on program directors this year and chairs um, to try to sort through probably higher than normal number of, of applications than they've had in the past. Um, and so um, I, in some ways, I worry that uh, you know the the cutoffs that they use might have to be a little bit more reliant on things like uh, board scores or or numbers, just because they have to to find some way to to narrow down the pile a little bit. Um, and sometimes you can miss the quote diamonds in the rough, um, as they were, you know, relatively speaking. These are probably still people who have amazing board scores, as it were. It's just you know the averages for neurosurgery so high. Um, that, that they might just be a little bit below that. Um, and I think that'll take a little bit more diligence, uh, diligence and uh, vigilance on the part of, of program directors. I think it'll take a little bit more vigilance on the part of residents who've heard from uh, medical students who reached out to them, identifying ones that have truly been outstanding candidates but maybe don't have those crazy high numbers, pure numbers. Um, people who are still you know, hard workers, who are still trustworthy, um, who are reliable and uh, who will otherwise be a really good fit. So those are some of the big ones uh, that I see as potential downfalls aside from, of course, uh, what Dr. Zotto was talking about, not having that, that social interaction, that in-person interaction. But uh, again, I would really urge students to get on these calls um, with the, especially the, the resident meet and greets. You can really tell how people interact um, even on Zoom calls. Um, <laughs> I know that we've had a plenty of friendly banter on our Zoom calls. <laughs> so you can kind of get a sense of what our residency is like uh, on ours. And I'm sure that other residents have, have similar engagement with one another as well. So you, you, can, uh, you can see that. I, I wouldn't completely dismiss it, but it, it is going to be hard. Dr. Zada, um, do you have anything to add? I think that we've hit most of the negatives. I would love to hear if there's anything pertinent to your position as a program director that uh, Jazz kind of started to talk about a little bit. 
the, the main negative is just not not being able to 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 meet with people in person and, and see how they engage with other people also mm -hmm. it's being in a social setting um, that's such an important thing um, and so we're going to rely a lot more on on everything jazz was talking about these um, you know office hours and, and meet and greets etc uh, to, to gauge that and even the letters won't really tell the full they, they don't they don't tell the full picture either you know there there may be a, a more reaching out to other institutions to hear what the faculty or residents think about students. Um, we may see some more of that as well than, than the average year. I think one subset of students that are, uh, I know several, and so they're a bit in the front of my mind is the students without the home programs. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I worry that these people are gonna be ones that are impacted the most because um, I had a home program where I was in medical school and I unquestionably, um, you know, was given some advantages from my away rotations, right? And so I ended up matching somewhere I rotated. So I, I, I'm just curious to hear any advice you guys would have for someone without a home institution that's done one away rotation. Um, you know, what, how should they think about this year? You know, is there anything they can do to improve their status, et cetera? Or is it just going you know, to have to roll with the punches? Uh, I think they can really try to put themselves out there um, as some students do well and and uh, i think uh i think jazz mentioned it just being more proactive in terms of reaching out and introducing themselves uh, uh to chair people program directors residents um really taking advantage of all the uh, resources that are available this year in particular virtually but i think it's gonna it, it may take a, some additional effort on their part to be just uh more outgoing than than on an average year and i think in general it's really daunting being a medical student and reaching out to, I remember when I was asking for my letters of recommendation from attendings, it's, it's hard unless you've worked with them a lot, which again, it's, it's difficult to do as a medical student. You know, you're sitting there and you're trying to use the sucker the right way. And then when they leave the room, you're closing. So it, it's, um, it's limited interactions that you're getting. And so it's really, really important. I think at, at most institutions, this was my experience to, um, find a resident or two that you get along with really well at that institution, because what's going to happen is when you get these letters of recommendation from the program directors or the chairs or whoever they happen to be, they're going to reach out to the residents and they're going to ask, what did you think about this person? And the residents who interacted with you are going to speak up. There's nothing wrong with going to these residents and saying that, that you get along with and saying, look, I'm a little bit concerned this year. I don't have a home institution. Um, is there any way that you could maybe talk to you know, this attending for me and, um, and see if they'd be willing to kind of support me, champion me, whatever the case may be. It takes a lot of guts to ask something like that, but this year you're going to have to kind of do it more so than most years. And uh, it's, it's hard to be that outgoing and, you know, you don't want to come off sounding cocky or anything like that. Um, but I, I think just acknowledging that to people, they'll understand where your, um, your anxiety is coming from or or where your concern is coming from. And you know, we're still human beings, we, we get it um, and, and we'll help you out. So. I think I wanna throw in a, a quick plug for all the resources that either already existed or are now being highlighted more than ever um, or have been developed. I mean, certainly this podcast is somewhat of an extension of everything that's been going on. Um, the webinar that Dr. Johnson is doing with the YNC that you guys had an episode on last week on, on this. Um, the, uh, the neurosurgerymatch.org website is great for a lot of this information. Um, 
the uh, MSNTC global events calendar is fantastic. Um, we have a great team that's constantly trying to find these events, um, typically on social media that uh, can then put it into a repository for um, students of all places to find out where all of these events are happening. You know, there's, there's something every day almost every day. Um, and so folks without home programs certainly can benefit from that. I come from somewhere that doesn't have a home program and um, certainly understand some of the struggles with that. And so I think that that has been a challenge for me, uh, feeling kind of like, how much do I put my foot forward? And so I think what you're saying, Jazz, is totally right. And so I, I think it'd be good to kind of transition a little bit into kind of the do's and don'ts for this year. Dr. Zada, especially, do you have any specific things that you think students and applicants should know this year um, about virtual interviews that they may or may not be getting depending on how much they're in contact with their school? What a great question. Uh, you know, I haven't even really thought about that, about what what's different about this year on on Zoom or whatever virtual interviews that that could really be uh, viewed negatively or positively. And obviously there's a whole art to uh, to to Zoom uh, Zoomsmanship or whatever you call it. But uh, but um, don't be late and <laughs> ask pertinent questions. Make it. Um, you know, you should do your background research on a program so that your 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 question should be genuine, and you're interviewing that program as well. Uh, and then, are there any are there any questions that a student walking around a campus might be more inclined to ask than they would sitting at home? You know, things that they might be like in terms of facilities, or you know, where's the cafeteria? Labs or cafe. <laughs> How many, how many cafeterias? This, the most important question on every interview I went on was what, how much, you know, what is the Tesla of your MRI? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> how many beds in the ICU? No, the, the, I think the important questions for residents are, um, you know, what, uh, what, are, what are your call room facilities? What, do you have a gym nearby? What's the food like here? Where do most people live? Um, do you guys hang out together? Uh, Jazz, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm slightly... I'm more removed from them. <laughs> <laughs> no, those are all. But, uh, but those are, I think those are the things, you know, do you have a skull-based lab? Um, uh, what's that like? How is call coverage divided among your hospitals? Those are, those are questions that you usually can pick up um, some info on, on a tour or engaging with them. So virtual tours will help. And I think most places are, are planning that. I think we're going to see more content built into the interview day, actually, because the, 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 the tour will be missing. I think it's incumbent on most programs to introduce some element of a, of a tour or overview into the interview day. So that's, that might be new as well. So we talked a little bit about the normal process with uh, Dr. Chris Graffia from uh, Mayo, the chief at Mayo. And one thing that he said that I, I just want to say again here is um, really rely on other people who are going through this with you. Um, talk to other med students, reach out to them, see what their impression. I mean, if there's a program you're interested in and you can't rotate there, try to find someone who's a student there and did that eight week rotation there and, and talk to them and, and really get their impression see how they were treated and that sort of thing. Um, I think it'll, hopefully encourage more of a team dynamic this year um, just because, you know, it's kind of at a necessity. I would think this year more than ever, the, the, the neurosurgery blogs and hubs of the world, whichever one it is, neurosurgery hub, uncle, uncle Harvey, I don't even know which one it is now is probably going to be the most relied upon. And I, I would hope that it is uh, just for that exact point. So I, I don't know what, 
what what is everyone what is the go-to site now yeah so uncle harvey started back up and it, it started in a more formal sort of uh, way than than it was when you know i was applying i'm sure when you guys were applying at it's one of those websites that kind of gets taken down and revamped uh, every few years or so but um this year it's kind of going up in full force and uh, it has some really good content on there um, I would urge people to check it out. Uh, the other thing, kind of, Michael, building off of what you said, uh, kind of in anticipating that. So I, I got a lot of information about other places from the people that I was with on the interview trail as well. Uh, so we set up a live chat with uh, medical students who are applying this year, and we basically sorted them into different groups. And anybody who who wanted to join could join. I think you know we had a, uh, over 100 people sign up. And they just chatted. I just opened up a Zoom thing and they all just talked for however long they talked for. I, I logged out. You know, I, I have no need to be on that, um, putting it on their business. Um, and they talked about the different programs. Mind you, this was early. We were planning on having another one uh, sometime in October. So, um, you know, people can stay tuned for that as well. Uh, but yeah, I, I wouldn't undervalue um, what your peers have to say about the, the places that they've been to as well. It's good information to have. Um, you know, kind of looking at it from the program director's perspective, I've had friends and colleagues who have been asked directly by people within different programs, um, you know, how, how can, what, do you have any suggestions for how we can get to know students? And so I would love to hear if you guys have any thoughts for program directors and faculty within these programs, um, any ideas, you know, maybe you're doing it at UC, USC, Baylor, and UCLA, things that, strategies that you're taking to get to know students and maybe thinking out of the box or faculty and, and people within programs can, can use to help them kind of think about uh, candidates in new ways. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I don't know that I have a great answer for you because um, the reason for that, and, and uh, just to speak in all um, uh, transparency here, is we're still structuring how we're even going to mm. do our Zoom interviews right now. Um, mm. That element that you um, are talking about is so critical, and I do think that we're going to see some cre creativity around that, um, uh, that, that interviewers are going to have to extract from interviewees. Uh, I don't know how we're going to do it yet, though. We, we certainly have not come up with a system. I think... Um, the best place to gauge how someone's personality shines through is um, off in those less official um, fora, which are like the 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 whatever office hours or meet and greets or whatever you want to call them, is where I think you can get to know someone more or by asking very poignant questions that are not necessarily related to neurosurgery or you know just other other things to gauge someone's well-roundedness. Uh, but we have not incorporated anything uh, formal yet, and I, I hope that we do, but we're, we're not there yet. Well, ERAS obviously is late this year. Usually it's in, in September and it's been pushed back a month. So it, it is a work in progress. Yeah. So maybe that's a good point is that on, on ERAS, applicants should um, really pay more attention than usual to their extracurricular mm -hmm. activities on their, on their uh, application. Do you see the personal statement being a little bit more important this year? Absolutely. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I would, um, I would have an idea, not necessarily one that will become the law of the land, but an idea would be to have a, a virtual applicant dinner, right? So everybody like, uh, either orders food centrally and is it distributed around the country to wherever people may live with Grubhub or something like this, <laughs> have little rotating groups of 
of, of clusters that talk to each other, something like that. that. That might be interesting to try. That sounds fun. I would do that anyways. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's very casual, right? Just like the interview dinner, you know, but. Uh, I mean, there, there are awkward pauses in any group of, with people um, who don't know each other. And so I think people for the most part have gotten pretty used to the zoom thing. Um, there's a little bit of like an added layer of awkwardness, but for the most part, you know, it's still the things that dominate our behavior are going to be the same. And so just kind of putting yourself out there and finding ways to get together, I think is the way, way to do that. I'm, I'm curious if jazz has, has anything to add to that. I, I really like the uh, the virtual dinner idea. I mean, we've done that actually with our, our residency. You know, we've had like a wine tasting nights and stuff like that. We've distributed wine to the, the residents and we've had different food nights and stuff like that. So doing that with med students would be a lot of fun, I think. Um, I, uh, I know there's also talk at some point of um, virtual CV, I guess. I don't know what happened to that idea. If that idea died, but basically, you know, applicants just make a little three minute video about themselves and, and talk about themselves. Um, we all had to do little video snippets for UCLA and man, they are awkward, but it's still fun to get to know people um, <laughs> on video. Uh, the other thing I wanna say about uh, being comfortable on Zoom, don't be too comfortable on Zoom. You know, we talk about do's and don'ts of Zoom. <laughs> you know, I know you guys love your cats and your dogs and your fish or turtles or whatever, but just, keep them in a different room for the interviews. I think um, even for the meet and greets, it might be good. Treat the meet and greets almost as if they are our interviews as well. Um, every time that you interact with a resident or an attending, unfortunately, it's like a mini interview. They're gonna be storing this information about you and building this picture of who you are. Um, if you're the person who comes to all of these, but you're always the one who has their video off, we will see your name and we'll remember you as the person with no clue what your face looks like because your video is always off. There's also people, I feel like I know a handful of medical students across the country who I've never met in person just because their videos are always on. And I, I feel like I know them. I definitely don't. I have no clue who they are. I don't know what their favorite sport is or anything like that, but I, I just feel like that. Yeah, build, building trust with a face is a little easier than just two initials in the middle of a screen. So I, I think yeah. we've highlighted a lot of the great points of the challenges and, and potential opportunities. And looking forward um, to, we've, we've touched a little bit on this, um, looking forward to when things slowly get back to normal, what things do you think might last beyond the COVID era? What are some things that you think programs and, and applicants will pick up on and, and use their benefit in, in terms of lessons learned? Yeah, I think, uh, I think program marketing is here to stay. I think, um, I think the letters of recommendation will go back when sub eyes open back up. And I think sub eyes need to open back up at some point, you know, um, hopefully next year, obviously. Uh, but I, I, I think that there will be some element of a virtual uh, uh, Zoom type interview date. Maybe, you know, uh, depending on what programs do, there'll be a, a mixture of in-person and virtual uh, uh, interviews. I think that's a really good thing to accommodate people who may not be able to travel as easily or have limited resources or whatever that is. Uh, I know every year there's there's always a couple people that just couldn't make it because they have conflicting interviews. So uh, there may be a way to, uh, to to account for that and improve that. Um, I think those are the main things. But really, just that it's this is all this this entire thing has forced us all to put ourselves out there digitally and uh, and represent ourselves um, slightly differently, which is great. It's it's timely. Jazz, do you have any do you have any thoughts about that um, in terms of? things that your program or you personally think should um, hold on to, you know, as we move forward. Yeah, I, 
think it would be wonderful to, I, I think this has not only boomed a lot of uh, virtual program specific events, I think it's also led to a lot of um, virtualization of other events as well. So, you know, Dr. Zada, um, he, he led up the uh, West Coast boot camp that we had this past year um, that went virtual. And I think it was a wonderful success, you know, something that's usually done in person and there are definitely benefits to that, but a lot of that can be conveyed uh, virtually as well. More people can attend. Um, it's less costly for applicant or for, um, you know, people who are actually attending and then also for the uh, hosting programs as well. Um, so it allows for more inclusivity. It allows for MS ones and twos to get involved. Um, so I think it has spurred on a lot of technical innovation in, in other parts of neurosurgery as well in terms of medical education or medical student outreach. And I think those are here to stay. I think that the in-person parts will probably continue, but I think that the, the virtual parts will continue as well. Um, the other thing that I think is important to continue in the future is um, we got a lot of really good feedback on the, the CNS event, and uh, I would hope that something like that continues in the future, regardless of where we end up with COVID. I think it was a really good way for applicants to very quickly see a broad spectrum of programs. And, um, you know, this year it was Dave and I who basically put together this programming algorithm that tried to, <laughs> you know, match people with programs in the best way possible so that they could see the most number of programs and programs could see the most number of applicants. I'm sure in the future, there'll be something much more complex. This is us just, you know, coding on MATLAB. Um, but <laughs> I think in the future, there'll be an opportunity for students to see more of those programs um, in, a, in a larger event and um, for programs to see more applicants as well. And I think that would behoove both programs and applicants alike. I'd love to just interject. I, I was, uh, I got to be a part of that um, event and it was fantastic. Um, so don't, don't sell yourself short at all. Certainly given <laughs> such a short notice, um, you know, we really didn't know everything was going to be shut down in, until April. Um, and you guys did that in June. So that was fantastic. I know many people that have said that that was really helpful and timely. Um, you know, there was a lot of unknowns at that time. So, um, thank you to, to you guys for, for helping put that on. So this is great. I mean, it's obviously an issue in revolution. And, um, and I just want to thank, thank uh, both Jazz and, and Dr. Zada for, for giving us their time for, the, for this uh, episode, which I think, like, like Michael said, we'll try and get out there quickly because it is quite timely, and, um, and, uh, but a very important one. Thanks for having us. This was great. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. I hope people continue to innovate. Yeah, please do. Don't stop. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, follow, and leave a comment in Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your audio content. Make sure to follow MSNTC and the YNC on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And check out our webpage at neurosurgerytraining.org slash TNJ, where you can find other episodes and links and resources related to today's conversation. Be sure to check out the YNC's webinar series and visit their webpage on AANS.org. If you have comments or ideas for episodes, or would like to join us to talk about anything neurosurgery related, our email address is tnjpodcast at neurosurgerytraining.org. We'd love to hear from you. Finally, I'd like to thank Matt Rosenthal, one of our fantastic MSNTC volunteers, for helping with the editing and processing, and also thank all the fabulous people involved in this project. Have a great day, and we look forward to next time.